There's something coming, honey. Mighty pains across. Not Buddha or Mohammed made a little roll of a dime. There's something coming, honey. But it ain't the Christ, not Buddha or Muhammad's name, and a little roll of the dice. Been sleeping there inside you since before the Big Bang. Been walking right beside you since the dawning of man. Honey, you don't have to believe me, cause you know that it's true. Something crazy is on its way from the inside of you. Let it through, darling. Let it Judgment Day and the hunger coming down. It ain't written, babe, but I have to say that you ride into town. You, you don't have to believe me, cause you know that it's true. Captain Crazy's on his way from the inside of you.
Something's coming. We can talk about this thing that's coming. What is this thing that's coming? So I did a post a little while ago. It was, was like, the theme was like, what if love broke out? Like, we're waiting for World War III and amazing transits are going to happen this year, 2020. You're here on this course, this training. This, that's part of something much bigger. It's part of the world's soul bringing love to the emotional plane, just like this training is about the soul of this temple landing on the emotional plane. So that means, you know, one of two things, which is either emotional upheaval, you know, the same as on this training, either all of the parts of us that are pissed off that there is no love are going to come roaring up and overthrowing the civilization, or love's going to break out. So it's either going to be war or love. It's that extreme on the planet. And it's happened before, and the astrological transits of the big cycles can let us know, look, it's coming. First World War, Second World War, these, these are great, like, uh, cathartic upheavals of the shadow of the world. As the world is trying to go through its you know, growth, its evolution as a being, just like, you know, in your life, there's times where you've just had the purge. Down an ayahuasca ceremony, or you're like, your emotional body is just so fucking pissed off with being dominated by your mind, that it just, <laughs> give me war, like, you know, have a fight for fuck's sake, but do something to, like, break out of this control. So... Vote for Trump, you know, like, um, <laughs> vote for Brexit. Like, we don't give a fuck. We just, like, business as usual is, like, we it, trash it. Like, we don't care. Like, someone starts a war, we'll be yes, because it's better than this fucking shit. So that, that level of global agitation of everybody's emotional body is there. We're here. So then the question is, well, what's that going to look like? Something's coming. Everybody can feel it. We all know it's coming. It's just a question of like, what will that be? What will it be? Will it be World War Three, Or will it be love breaking out? Will love break out? And what would it be like to become passionate about love? Like to link our emotional passion with this pure love of the soul. To get passionate about love itself not passionate about the object of our beloved. We've done lots of passion about that. That's the sixth ray, which is, I'm passionate about my love, and if you touch it, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> whether it's the love of my beloved, or whether it's the love of my country, or whether it's the love of my religion, or whether it's the love of my, my you know, kind of belief system, my ideology, you touch the thing that I love, and I will go to war with you. Don't touch my heart. Whatever it is, whatever your attachment 
that your emotional body says, this is the object of my love. And so the emotional body turns um, love into an ideal that idealizes it. And that ideal becomes the thing. And if you touch that thing, you're touching the thing that's most sacred to me. Of course, I'm going to fight you. So, but what if we got really passionate about love rather than the object of our love or our ideal of our love? If we got really passionate about love and there was a tribe of people all over the world who had love at the center of their altar, not their idea of love, not their religion, not their beloved, not their, but love itself. What if love itself sat at the center of their being? And they were so passionate about that that they opened that out to others. So the huge transits that are ahead of us in 2020 is uh, Pluto-Saturn, which is in effect now. And Pluto's this god of the underworld that basically gradually comes up and um, breaks everything. So Pluto, when it goes through a sign, it takes 240 years to go around, just like our solar system takes 240 million years to go around the center of the galaxy. Pluto in the center of the galaxy is strongly linked. And even Pluto, the powers that be in the last few years, demoted it from being a planet. <laughs> like when you really feel transformation coming, I know what we'll do, we'll just demote that. That's no longer a planet. You're, like, You're no longer a god, sorry, you can't take us down. But Pluto doesn't give a shit. It's going to take it down anyway. So because all of our naming of the planets is a projection of part of the psyche of humanity and connecting that to what's going on around us in the cycles. So when Pluto goes through, so when Pluto goes through Scorpio, all of the sexual stuff came to the surface. Everyone around the world was doing like transformational work around remembering, you know, repressed sexual things and all of that surfaced. When it goes through Sagittarius, which has been through for 12 to 20 years, all of the ideologies of the world come up for a upheaval. Now it's in Capricorn. Capricorn rules economics and the power structures of society, the bottom line. And Pluto is there. And Pluto is, is hitting that. So that's going to mean transformation. And it's hitting Saturn. So if you look at what's happening globally, you've got the accumulation of power and money at the top of the pyramid of the body-mind of the world. Okay, if you go to American politics, for example, you have the most money, you elect your you know, guy, there's all kinds of lobbyists to see who's in charge. The whole thing has become a deep farce, really, in terms of what politics should be to ensure that the top of the pyramid controls the rest of the pyramid for its own good. And of course people, you know, most people buy into it because they're still in their emotional body thinking that, you know, mommy and daddy are really are, you know, doing good things for them or that, you know, the politicians really have their interest at heart. So this, this creates um, a, a point like in the individual's life where your personality finally succeeds. When you get to control the whole of your own life with your idea of what's right. This is actually a developmental stage of the path. Having an, uh, an integrated personality, which means that your idea on the mental plane of what you want your world to be 
actually is reflected in your emotional and neurosexual and your physical body. You have the life the way you want it. Very advanced, very few integrated personalities on the planet. But it's just a preliminary to getting on your knees on the mountaintop. Once you have created itself, now you can surrender the self. So all of the like global movements, you know, the UN, all of the, these ideas of trying to create one structured world where we have a bill of rights that everybody signs up to, they're all well-meaning, that, but they're part of the personality controlling. And what will happen is if the world's soul doesn't come in, is the emotional body of the world will revolution. And revolution is basically when our hearts and our bodies say fuck you to our minds. Okay, and it happened already. Like that was the French Revolution, right? And that was the beginning of, um, uh, you know, America. America um, founded from that place of like chop the fucking head off. Okay, I'm done. I'm done with the control of my mind telling me what to do, telling me how to think, telling me that I, you know, for my best interest. When it's being run underneath, I know it's being run underneath by fear of death. Fuck that. My heart says there is something more powerful than my mind's attempt to control my reality and the reality of everything around me because it's so fucking afraid that it's going to die. Done with it, kill it off. That creates a new problem, you know, the growing of the heads, you know, like the hydra. Chop off one head of the hydra, Arab uprising, and then what do you get? You get another head, and the head's slightly wiser because it knows that the last one's got cut off because it failed this, so now it's smarter and introduces things to try to ease that, but it's still another head. So revolution that is, an, is, is, is a cathartic process which can open the door for change, but it's not an efficient process and it's not what the world's soul wants. It wants those forces, yes, of the heart to say, fuck this, but not, so let's chop the head off and elect another head and then, you know, things will change. Humanity has done that enough to know that's not likely to work. We've had that experiment. What's that? The wall would be chopping off everything because we have enough of it. Yeah, well, it's like that's where people get to the stage on the path where they're suicidal. Like some of you, like what we did last night is like the self has got to this point, thank you, but the self can't now make another change because it's still the self. There's no new thing the self can get. It can't say, okay, now I'm going to go to Haydn and I'm going to learn you know, some esoteric information which will make myself happy. Like that self has come to die. It's come to die so a deeper self. All initiation is not an accumulation of more stuff on the old self. It's the offering of that self in order for deep transfiguration to happen. What happens on the mountaintop is basically transfiguration. In the Jesus story, going up on the mountain, he's like irradiated with light. He's irradiated with the realization that he is not an individual. Because the most difficult seedy roadhouse to get out of is our individuality. If our individuality is based on separation from love, then anything our individual self does 
is tainted at its root with separation. This is the hardest thing to get when you're on the mountaintop. I know in my particular case, my teacher said to me, okay, Bruce, you're doing amazing, but you're, you're ready to face something. Like, are you ready to face uh, that, you know, your whole life has been built upon a lie? Like, are you ready to face that now? I mean, we've all had to face that. Everyone who goes on the journey's had to face that. I'm just seeing if you're ready to face that. And I'm like, I don't know, can I think about that? Like, really? You're, you're going to tell me that everything that I know for sure at the core of my being is based on an illusion? Uh, I was looking for something a little less radical than that. <laughs> I was looking for, like, inside or, like, you know, you're telling me I have to go to the root of my identity and I have to take an axe to that, and I have to realize that it was a lie. Okay, I'm interested. It took me a year to just probe into that. And in my particular case, my personality is built on um, my idea of myself as courageous. Like that's, and, and you know, like I have plenty of evidence that can support that. And in fact, I inspire other people to be courageous. I inspire them to leap off cliffs into the unknown and to trust love. And I, I, I you know, my, my personality and, and my, the core of my soul is, if, if, if it knew anything, if I went on Oprah and Oprah asked me, like, who are you? What do you know for sure? I'd say, well, I know that my life is about a courageous adventure. Like, okay, so what's the lie in that? The lie in that is, is actually I'm fucking afraid. Like at the deep core of my being, my fear to be fully here and experience the reality in the deepest vulnerability in my core often will kick me into my adventure and my, my courage and so on to mask the fear, the deep fear in my core. So it's beautiful that we have these personalities that we shine through but not if we believe them to be true all the way. Because then we're just going to bring our particular brand to everybody else. And so at that point, when you're on the mountaintop, that's where you, when you're on your knees, you discover, oh, okay, everything has got its opposite. And whatever I think I am is the opposite. Now, you can still use it. I can still come back and use my courageous self but I no longer buy that it's, I don't longer have to be courageous in order to escape my own fear. Bruce? Yeah. The opposite of courage and fear is violence for the sake of violence. What's that? The opposite of courage is not fear, it's violence. Yeah, okay, that's a philosophical point. Thank you, Jude. Mm. So the essence of the, of the mountaintop is humility. And the deepest humility is when you're personal ego comes down. So if we are going in the world to emotional revolution, what's the alternative? What's the alternative to having upheaval from the emotions? Heart cracking open. Heart cracking open? Yeah. What kind of love? Transpersonal, I'm guessing. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just asking. <laughs> Um, so if, if it is this descent of love, if the mountaintop actually realizes that it's just the bottom of this descending world soul, and that world soul can get to the emotional plane. 
So it's got to come down to the emotional plane so that people feel love. It's one thing to know theoretically that everything is love. So your minds can become enlightened. You can have an enlightened mind. And that enlightened mind tells you, look, even though I feel shit, I do know that everything is love theoretically and I've been able to go to the core of consciousness and understand that. But the truth is down here in my emotional body, I still feel unloved. So therefore, no matter what my mind tells me, I'm going to have a split with my feelings. And because I feel unloved, I'm going to seek it. I'm going to seek validation. I'm going to seek love from others. I'm going to seek love from, uh, you know, substitute mom and dad to make up for mine and blah, blah, blah. So this, we know this bringing of love to the emotional plane is the big shift. And it's what a lot of work that we do in Easter and other places is like, get the emotional body reset with love. Allow it to express all of the parts that are not loved and then refill it, rewire it, re-neurologize it with love. But because we're in a global process, we don't really have time for everyone to come to a workshop. It's going to happen globally through the great dramas of civilization. And whether that looks like, you know, um, a war or it looks like um, breakouts of like Occupy movement or the resistance to extinction or all of those things are going to become a global breaking out of the energies that are stored in the emotional body of humanity. And so for those who have done some clearing and are able to understand not just in their consciousness that everything is love, but to demonstrate it in their emotions, in their feelings then we have a part to play globally. And that is to give some kind of um, visibility to the fact that love is in the emotions. Okay, to be passionate, to be revealed. Because what happens is when people don't feel that, when they don't feel love from their politicians and they don't feel love from their their um, you know, bank manager and they don't feel love from society. They just want to toss the whole thing. And all over the world, underneath civilization, is an emerging civilization of love. It's emerging. There's millions of people who you would now say are actually the world, soul, and incarnation. But they're not visible. They're not at the top of the pyramids. They're not up there where people can see them. They're like attending to their own little patch, their own little piece. They've started an organic farm somewhere in Iowa, or they're like, you know, are writing music, or they're, they've just decided, okay, I'm going to be love, but I'll be love, you know, and, and I will be ostracized from mainstream society, and I will just be love somewhere. And then they often think, well, I don't really matter, I, I, and I don't really care about that. I'm just going to create this thing in my own world. But the thing is, we all go down together. Like humanity and the, the environment and everything, it all, it all is all linked. And now is the time for all of those seeds that have been scattered all over the world to find each other and reveal themselves as the new civilization. That it's already here. It's just not visible. We just don't see it. So, and there can be two things that stop that. One is a sense of... Um, 
I don't matter. So in other words, I've failed at the, the current paradigm that seems to be what it is, and I've failed because my love um, has not been able, I haven't been able to win at the rat race world or whatever, so therefore I've created my own life, but I've really failed at that other thing. I failed my Harvard education or whatever. Um, so there's kind of a self-esteem because the world doesn't value soul, and so our soul has a kind of you know, veil to it that says, yeah, I've done this for me and I hope other people want it, but you know, it's not wanted in the world. You've got to crack that now. You've got to crack the self-esteem issue around being, having put your feather on the side of soul rather than body-mind. You've got, you've got to realize now the world is hungry for soul. And so it needs leaders. The leaders of the, the coming civilization are those who have anchored soul, not those who have become successful. And every time I hear a soulful group start talking about, we know a politician or we know a top businessman or whatever, let's get them involved because if we change them, we change the world, my heart fucking breaks. Like, that's not the way. Because that just gives more power back to this. You're basically saying underneath, those in power are the ones with influence. I'm not. But if I can influence them, then I can influence everyone. It's a fucking lie. And it's an escape. It's an escape of taking the responsibility you have as love for standing up yourself and not believing that your power comes from the, the system that has produced those at the top with the, mo the least soul to run things. So trying to change them is just making your life a wasted gift to the same thing that's a problem. Which is not to say don't love them, if they come to you, but don't go to them trying to influence them to influence the world because they're fucking experts at that. They have people coming to them all the time for something. Now you're coming to them for something else. It's like, I'm lobbying you because you're a, pe a person of influence that you can change the world according to how my heart feels it should be. You're just going to feed into the beast. So that first piece is... Get over the self-esteem issue of not mattering because you've chosen soul. And realize the world fucking needs soul now. And it needs it to be visible. It needs it to stand up for what it is, passionately, and own it. And that's how new leadership is born. It isn't born from trying to influence old leadership. So that's the first um, piece. And then the second piece I forget. But, <laughs> can, can I insert something? Yeah. So I was sitting in Auschwitz in, in Birkenau in the death camp with uh, one of the people who escaped from there. He died already, Marian, amazing Polish artist. And he was very, very old and shining. And he told me in Polish, we need leaders of love. Could you be a leader, but not a wimpy leader? He, mm. said, we, he said, I saw Hitler, I saw Mussolini. We need those who can bring the, but can you do this with love? Yes. And that's what he's kind of, and he put his hand on me and said, let's do this. And my heart was like, how do you move the masses without fear, just with love? Mm. 
beautiful. And so the answer you know, to people like Hitler and so on is here. What makes an ideologue is someone who can move the masses is 75% of the masses are still in their emotional bodies. If you can create a tidal wave through the emotional plane, you move the masses. So that means you need to know how to work with emotional matter, which is passionate, but you need to be driving it with soul. And what great ideologues do, or politicians, is they drive, or great marketers, they drive emotion with desire. What does everybody want? Because they're wounded, everybody wants to be validated and to be loved. So you can, you can lift a whole country or a whole civilization along their desire to be special and to be loved, because it's a hidden longing in every emotional body. Or you can move them on the desire to be fame. Like, let's make our country the Third Reich. Let's make New Zealand the, the, the new place that is going like, to be the most important in the world. So you can lift them with their unconscious desires to be loved. You can lift them with their unconscious desires to matter, to be important. You can lift them with their desires to be rich. You can lift them with their desires to be fucked. You know, these are the great um, emotional glamours that you can lift people with. But if their emotions also have a component that more than anything else, more than all of that, they desire to love, to have love flow through them, to not to be loved, because that's more identity, to allow the love that's so important, and that's why the next level of this is returnees coming to serve, because then they realize when they get out of the way and the love is moving through them, that's what they really wanted. They didn't want their self to receive love. They wanted to love. Mm. But isn't that kind of a twist on what Hitler did, where all of a sudden he brought passion and love of country, and then everybody went into service and... And, you know, sure, but, but he bought it for those, those reasons of something missing. The German people had low self-esteem after the, being trashed economically, you know, and like he, he, he restored their self-esteem. If you get a bunch of people, like even now you can see it, the Occupy movement or whatever else, you get a bunch of people who are pissed about something and you give them a, a channel for that, that pissed offness, you can be a leader, but you can be a leader of the astral plane but is that what you want? So how to move the emotional body of humanity from the world's soul? And this is the particular gift of this training because this, we're in the sixth. And the danger at the sixth is death by drowning. What that means is all of the unloved parts of our emotional body throw the soul out. The flip side is the soul drops to them and now can use the power of emotion and passion and can use it to break love out. Love can break out with the passion of the emotional plane that sweeps everybody. It's like the example of you know, that guy dancing on the train or whatever. It's like when joy and love and freedom breaks into a field, it can become as contagious as fear or desire or patriotism or scapegoating someone. Yeah. Okay. So it's a new form of leadership embodiment. In, in like the concept I'm trying to like pull is how do we get people to stop projecting onto the leader? Even if they're emanating love, then everyone's 
going again to the to a point. We can't get them to stop doing that. They're going to do that because that's evolution. Like people who are on their emotional plane are going to project on saviors and leaders and whatever. And an ideologue, which is often someone who has low self-esteem, so they want everyone's attention, so they promise everyone what they secretly want, and then everybody loves them. So that's taking the emotional energy of a group or of a country or whatever because you have such low self-esteem. But to take projection when you don't want it, like to be willing to be projected on, but you don't want that. Now that's dropping to the emotional plane out of sacrifice instead of like swapping your need to be loved for moving people. So many people, there are many people who have really good ideas and they are bringing in the ideas of a new civilization. But if you want to move people en masse, you've got to transmit through your emotions and through your body. Okay, because it's, uh, it's like some people, if you're really transmitting, then some people will be listening with their minds going, oh, I like the concept that he's saying. But other people will just be like, I don't know, but I'm just vibrating. Like something is like turning me on, you know, and, and because love is moving through not just your consciousness, but it's moving down here as well. So Seventh Ray Mystery School embodiment work, the destiny of embodiment people is to transmit love at the level where most of the pyramid is. Most of the pyramid is down here. People climbing up the mountaintop don't all have to get up here because if you can bring what's up here down and transmit it through your body, then they will get it. So, right, so, then, if, so then if, it's the, if you've got the mental thing and you're calling down soul, you're calling down spirit, you've integrated in, you understand the emotional body, and you've cleared the emotional body, and then there you are being a transmitter of love, then what happens when your when your animal body, your physical body, gets triggered, and then you abandon love because, like, how how do you address that? Well, first of all, that self that you're talking about is probably not the soul. That's the personal self that's learned all about the soul and is trying to do it. So then, and it's trying to. Well, it, it, it the personal self cannot love the animal body. The animal body doesn't want to be loved by your ego. It wants to be loved by the soul. And so when the soul hits the animal body, the animal body knows it's loved. So what you're saying is that if the soul hasn't fully dropped down, yeah. then the animal body is going to hijack. Yeah, and also our ideology can get in the way and we can decide that our animal body needs to be, um, you know, conform to our ideas of what love looks like. But what love will do is it will allow each part of our being to be the way that it is. It won't try to make the animal body not jealous, for example, and see that as a failure to love. It will love the animal body the way that it is. If it happens to be jealous, it will be loved for that. And then that jealousy will, won't be made wrong. If your emotions happen to be needy because you really want you know, mum's affection or whatever, love will embrace that. So any kind of ideology which comes from the mind that tries to make this part conform to our idea of love is also more colonization. Yes? Sorry, can you speak up, Vicky? The global examples that you've been talking about, like how Hitler involved yeah. people into his agenda. I'm just wondering, like, the Extinction Rebellion movement that's on the planet at the moment, the way that they're enrolling people through grief, like yeah. encouraging people to feel grief about yeah. what's happening in the climate. Would that be an example of, like, 
more of a soul-orientated way of leading people, or is it, would you say it's the same? It's more so. I, I think that the essence, though, is, is the underlying energy fear or love? Because if you're getting people to grieve and be angry because the planet's dying, and that will mean that you might die, yeah. then you're activating their, their fear of death and activating their strong emotions, um, but the, still the underlying motivation is to protect me. If you're activating their grief because you love the rainforest and your heart is breaking because they've been destroyed, but your self-interest is not there, it, so if, the, if, the, if it's love that's the motivation that's opening grief and rage, that's one thing. If it's fear, it's something else. So that's the very subtle distinction you, you can't make until you have faced the fear at the core of your own personality. Otherwise, you're not going to see it. You're going to see whatever you've rationalized as love and, and, and as an important, and whatever you have not seen. If your life is driven from fear, at least partially, then you are not going to see that in the world which is why people believe in the American dream and they keep going and going along with it is because, not because leaders influence them, is they allow themselves to be influenced because of their fear of death and their longing for someone outside them to mean they don't have to face that. So any soul initiate is going to have to eventually bring their soul down to the base center. And so that process is gradual working with your heart, and then you work with your emotions and your emotional plane, then you work with your sexuality and money and all of those things which are close to fear of death. They're like, you know, often we will activate our sexuality because we're afraid of dying, but it looks like we're really horny. Mm. Okay, but when you get underneath that, you realize, oh my God, that's why, you know, you do BDSM and other things long enough, you realize, okay, there's death and sex very deeply linked. And money, a lot of people hold their money because they're afraid to die and they think that money is going to like somehow mean their medical bills can be paid and blah, blah, blah. And then if you get all the way down to the bottom, you realize, oh, my base center, everyone's base center is vibrating with fear. And if I want to replace that vibration with love, I've got to land my soul so deeply. And in the old days, one of the ways of being tested around that was war. Okay, because when you are suddenly faced with death, you have to choose, like in that moment, who am I? What am I going to do? How am I going to express? Bruce, yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry. That's what I was going to kind of ask. Do you feel like in our modern civilization, because we're so separate from death, like, yeah. you know, we don't even, like, no one even kills their own animals or anything, like, you know, mm. we are so separate from death that we, we make our lives so comfortable that it creates like all this emotional turmoil with everything else? Like, sure. Uh, like, yeah. Well, and in a way, we say we love Mother Nature, mm. but we're misogynists. Mm. We hate her, mm. we're afraid of her, mm. and we seek to kill her out. Mm. Like, that's the truth. Mm. Because otherwise, why do we live in little concrete boxes with yeah. like disinfectant wipes <laughs> on everything yeah. and like, you know, and hospitals with superbugs and so on? We don't like nature. Mm. Like nature's fine out there to visit on a weekend or something and like breathe in the love of the trees, but you know, we don't live there. Because fuck, it's a long journey to get away from the jungles and think lions that could eat us and blah, blah, blah. But that's home. That's love. Our little concrete boxes, that's not love. 
That's like our fear of nature dressed up. And our politicians control us through it. The latest germ is just, you know, out there. And so you will need now to be highly regimented for your own protection and the protection of everybody else. We're going to have to quarantine you all. And eventually we're going to keep you away from you know, nature altogether. Maybe we'll just have movies about what nature used to be on Earth. But luckily, babies still eat dirt. Have you noticed that? Babies will just pick up a handful of dirt and shovel it straight in there. Good for my probiotic gut health. Instead of my little pill that I'm taking, just eat some fucking dirt. And, and really, like, really get back to the trust that we're natural beings, that half of our evolution has come. And then we don't have to go do ayahuasca to understand, oh my God, it feels like the forest is talking to me. Like, it was a weird experience. Like, the forest is still talking. It's just got no one to fucking listen. No one's listening now because we've all become civilized beings in our minds who have lost touch with where we came from. <sighs> yeah, yeah. So, love want to break through. Yes. Can it... Can we do that without opening up the sexual realm? I mean, what we see in Easter, what we see even here, mm -hmm. is that we have to go through the opening of the channels of the sexual in order to allow love to break through. And everybody who talks love without um, manifesting it through the sexual is actually kind of a, you know, pinky, nice love, but actually underneath there is rage and fear and abandonment, abandonment well, that, and stuff like that. How that, can we do it globally? Okay, but that may be, that may be true because that's down here. That's yeah. the world soul heading down here. Yeah, that's and right. that's the future. It's not there. We're not there but now. This revolution of your... But, the rev life, but first of all, it has to happen here. It's got to happen emotionally first. It's got to happen to the emotional body. And even with ISTA, we do emotional release before yeah. we go into the sexual work, right? Yeah. So, and the danger of just freeing everyone's sexuality is the 60s. Yeah, of course. And even now, like That's I would say that... the 60s came before. Yeah, but even now, the sacred sexuality movement, a lot of what I see is people doing their own work and then setting up their own comfortable lives based on them feeling great mm -hmm. and trying to like get everybody in the world to where they are, but actually where the world really is now and what the world really needs is it needs love on the emotional plane. Mm -hmm. That's the masses. The masses aren't ready for carrot up their ass. The masses are ready. The masses are ready to have a great catharsis of their emotional body and love poured in so that their emotional body is reset neurologically to the fact that they're in a world of love. So the big, the big move is coming on uh, June 21st, 2020. And I just want to say something about why that is. Uh, 21-6-2020. And the main thing that's, that's happening at that time is Pluto, instead of being conjunct Saturn, which is the cracking, um, is conjunct Jupiter, which is the heart. Okay, so there's an opportunity. If love is going to break out instead of war, this is the period of time that that, you know, could happen that is helpful from the big transits of the planet. So if humanity wants to have a mass movement of love, then this is the time. And it's got something else going for it, which is, hasn't happened for 
Uh, it hasn't ever happened, and the last time it got close to happening was the reformation of the Catholic Church in whatever, 1500 or something, is that there is an alignment between the earth and the moon and the sun and the center of the galaxy. There's an alignment. So these are, these are like chakras in the big being, in the cosmic being that we're part of. And when those things align, energy can flow, just like in our own being. And it's, a, it's right on the um, solstice. So it's a solstice, which is where the sun stops the year. It's an eclipse. And so that, all of these things are like really rare. I mean, first of all, just the fact that the sun and the moon are the same size in our sky and that they actually pass each other to form an eclipse, the statistics of that are so unbelievable. You would, you, you would, you would, every time you see the sun and moon, you would bow to the miracle of how that is possible on this planet. Um, but the fact is that they're an eclipse at sunrise on the solstice in alignment with the galactic center at the very time when the galactic center um, is in alignment during this window and is only during this window of like 1998 to now. Um, all of that is happening at the same time that this transit is going on. So if you want to spark global movement and you want to do it consciously rather than just see it happen, this is that time. Where will that be on Earth? What's that? Will that be visible? Where will it be? Visible. Uh, no, it's mainly going to be visible in um, the Middle East, I think, um, through Ethiopia, top of Africa. Uh, but we're going to be at Glastonbury. Also, the pyramids in Egypt also have a very particular alignment to it. Kailash in Tibet, like, so there's lots of people going all around the planet to be there at that time. And if you want to spark something, then because those big transits are happening and they affect, archetypal energies affect the masses unconsciously. Okay, so that's what magic is, is a magic is an understanding of those energies and trying to use them for the good of the whole, which is your leadership thing. How do you, how do you activate um, global movements from a place of world soul rather than from a place of ideology. So this is what um, we're calling wild love. And the recommendation to people um, who feel it is just take three months out of your life between 21st of June and like even if you could just go to the solstice, to the equinox, which is 2020, and then if you could get to December, there's going to be another eclipse at the end, and then Jupiter and Saturn conjunct. So globally, what you should see is incredible potential for revolution, um, potential breakout of love, and then evidence of the beginnings of new civilization um, emerging by the end of the year. Or you're going to see 
upheaval and fear and more control and that process. So it's kind of um, a little fractal year, just like you know we said yesterday or the other day that the soul really pays attention to moments in your life where it really matters. So the world soul is paying attention through all of the astrological transits and everything else to this year. Whatever's going to play out this year is kind of an oracle for the next decade. What's that? Much more sure. It will play out together. In other words, a decent chunk of the world will experience conflict and fear and anger, and another chunk of the world will experience love breaking out. But what decides the global thing is how much, yeah. which one's visit more visible and which one's more effective. And part of the power of the world soul is that we experienced yesterday that your sword can go down each other's backs. Like the world soul ultimately has a lot more powerful than the world personality, but it has to land, it has to be embodied, and that embodiment work is important. So what I'm encouraging people to do, like if you're called to that, is during that time, just see how love wants to break out through you. And the biggest problem, the biggest obstacle to love, which is the underlying energy behind everything, is that our individuality gets in the way of it. Because if you have knelt on the mountaintop, you are not now an individual person who's in touch with the world soul. You are the world soul act, acting through an individual person. That's the initiatory transformation. Yeah. So we talked yesterday about magic, white magic, gray magic, and yeah. they take a longer time to really manifest than black magic. They do. And if I think about like the hate and the upheaval that's very much like down there and wonder like how can we what is the best thing to do in this really short window to bring that white and gray magic down and manifest yeah it's the same techniques that the 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 you know like the the other side would go okay we're losing control let's activate fear we'll bring out immigration right because that brings out you know like me and the strangers we'll bring out financial you know security we'll bring out the, you know, potential war and terrorists, like, will bring out stuff to activate everyone's fear, and that fear will, you know, mean that they'll, they'll lose their intelligence because their fear will take over. So you do the reverse. If you, if you can bring out love in the most leveraged way, like, we've already had a lot of fun with this, like, like if you were going to do it, like, what, what, would, what would, like, capture people's imagination as acts of wild love? You know, it could be everything from, we had one idea like, um, of like the roundabouts, you know, that, that like all over the world there are roundabouts. So you just get people to do installations and roundabout. As people are driving their cars around and around the roundabout every morning, you know, to, to go to work or, you know, go to get the fish or whatever, there's weird people that have installed, you know, things on the roundabout, maybe couches and chairs and, like, maybe they're having a, you know, a, a, some kind of love party or something that, like, just breaks the, the pattern of everybody doing what they're doing. So... There's 101 million ideas, and part of wild love is allowing the idea to come through you, not following someone else who presents the idea and then everybody does the same thing, but allowing the spontaneous emergence of love through the core of your own being. This is Captain Crazy, right? Something's coming. We know something's coming. 
because everyone's hearts can feel it. Like if your heart is awake, you can feel the tension inside your heart because that's not your tension. And how the, the mean-spirited roadhouse, the seedy roadhouse, is when we interpret this feeling in the core of our heart as something to do with us. Then we get preoccupied by it, like, you know, then we try to fix it or we get a new relationship or whatever. But what this is, this is the world's soul saying, I'm fucking emerging. I'm coming out. I'm uncomfortable being locked in here. I'm feeling the oceans and the forests. I'm feeling the bigger thing that I'm part of. I'm a cell in something much greater than my individuality. And that world soul is now not just coming through your heart, it's coming up. Why do you think people are doing tantra and, and ayahuasca all over the planet? Because they're raising the serpent. Like the earth itself as a being is pouring energy up through humans, which are its creation, at least partial, in order to awaken them. Everybody thinks they're on their personal development, going to Peru or whatever, or going to a tantric workshop or whatever, but actually it's the planet rising up, wanting your matter to start vibrating so the serpent can stand up inside you and say, fucking enough! Like, that's everybody's ayahuasca experience, right? As the serpent stands up inside you, purges out all of the bullshit that is your individuality and shows you the earth is a living being and intelligent and alive and you are just a small part of that. That's, that's this coming up. I'll get to you in a second, Nadia. And then the other thing that's happening is the lightning's coming down. So this is the consciousness, which is not just human, the scientists and the politicians getting together. This is cosmic consciousness. Like, like the, the earth serpent, the ayahuasca, didn't just come from earth. Like that serpent energy, that dragon energy is in all creation. It's all matter. And our consciousness that is amazing didn't just come from Earth. Our consciousness is part of a global and then cosmic consciousness. And that consciousness is cracking open our limited understanding of who we are. And so that's coming in through meditation, through all the non-dual traditions that are coming out. You know, if you look at the consciousness of the planet, there's this huge cracking, and it's trying to crack this band and ayahuasca and, you know, the serpent is trying to crack this band of control on our, on our mental body of the whole system. So this is what's going down. And so the most efficient way is to figure out where are you in that process? Like, have you cracked your own band? Because if you still have a level of control in your mind that's trying to make it all work out according to your plan of what you think it should be, then you're still really part of this. If you have allowed your body to throw off your mind and release its own intelligence, and you've allowed your soul to crack down through your mind and bring a much deeper understanding of divine wisdom than your mind can comprehend, then, you, then you're in this dance. And then the question that we have is, if you're in that dance, how do we explode it so that the world can have access to it? Yeah, Nadia. Yeah, so I wanted to share a story that feels 
very relevant to this, and it's speaking into the importance of really breaking through the low self-esteem in order yeah. to be a leader of love. And for me, what worked was actually understanding that it was not about me. So what happened was I was in the airport. It might be a silly story, but it really feels right. So I was at the airport, and I felt really low vibration all around me. And then I closed my eyes, and I felt this urge to move my body, to dance, to dance ecstatically. But then I felt like this, um, you know, the, the, the mind was getting on the way, saying, oh, what would people think of you if you dance? And, you know, I, you know, I would feel really ashamed. And, and, then, and then there was this sentence coming back again and again that it's not about you, it's not about you, it's not about you. So really dropping that. So I put my headphones, I closed my eyes, I started dancing like there was nothing and no one around me for, I don't remember how long. Then I opened my eyes, and there were, you know, a few people like um, there was a cleaner dancing a little bit, and like the energy in that hall just changed. Okay. And so for me, that was a really an embodied experience of how to drop the the preoccupied eye and really embody the the universal flow that wants to dance through me. Great. So we've all had experiences of this, right? And so this is the experience, and this is the second thing I forgot. You know, the first, the first thing is the low self-esteem, like, which means that's like, who am I to, like, my love is private and personal, who am I to, like, express it? And the second thing is the fear of consequences if we do stand up as love. Okay, there's the fear of ridicule, there's the fear of, like, you know, being taken down. There's, there's fear. It's a different kind of fear. It's not your own, it's not, um, you know, fear that you're not going to be valued. It's fear that you are going to be valued and that you are powerful and that you can have an effect and there's going to be a consequence to that effect, which triggers still your fear of death, right? Because what's going to happen to me if I stand up as the love that I am and I express it, what will be the result from the world? And the truth is that, yes, the world may be hungry for soul, but it's going to test the fuck out of any emergence because we have had so much pretense of love. We have had a generation since the 60s of people talking about love and, and um, you know, marketing their new version of love and then, and then turning that into another marketing program and another new age business, and we feel underneath what's really going on. So when somebody stands up as love, don't expect everyone to bow. Most people are going to say, bull fucking shit. But, but love is stronger than that. And so there's a testing and a tempering of your love in that. And you have to expect that that's going to happen. So, you know, there's a, this, this Shambhala legend that I want to tell you, which is that, that, um, that in the Shambhala legend, at the end of the, the Kali Yuga or the end of the, the materialistic time, then the barbarian king has taken over the planet. And the barbarian king has made everything of value. Everything is got a monetary value. Women are denigrated. The um, the environment is denigrated. It's maximum control. So this is the body mind has won. You know the personality has won. And so what happens is that the Buddha incarnates as the barbarian king's wife, and uh, and has a hot lovemaking session with him one night, and then in the pillow talk afterwards. She whispers in his ear, you know, there's one kingdom. I'm like, what? Like, show me, the, tell me. And she says, 
It's, it's uh, this kingdom of Shambhala, and uh, it's in this forbidden, hidden place, but you know, you haven't conquered it. it they, they, they're not flying your flag. So he like, right, so he gathers all of the armies of the world, all of the kingdoms of the world, and they march upon this kingdom of Shambhala, and they gather around it. Like, have you ever seen one of those Chinese movies where there's like, you know, they, there's, there's people like billions around, you know, like going to fire their arrows or whatever, and they're all ready to like take down this little kingdom still flying that Shambhala flag. And so they're ready and the war drums are beating and, you know, and then what happens is that the, the gates of this little tiny kingdom open up and outrides the Lord of Shambhala on his horse and accepts all of their surrender. So that's the story. <laughs> and he accepts their surrender because they realized that they were all gathering for that. That when true power shows itself, when the power of love shows, then everything else falls. So there is a power in love that has got nothing to do with what we think power is. And you know this to be so, because when love has shown up in your life, all of your armies bow. All of the defenses, all of the places in you that have been equipped to help you survive in a world that doesn't love, they all fall away. And you realize even the barbarian king taking over the whole world, he's just doing that to try to control everything because there's no love. But when the love shows up, bow. And it's a power of a totally different order than the order of the body-mind. So then the question is, how do you show up as that love in the world? And how do you um, do that in such a way that is not trying, you're not trying to inspire others, but it's inevitable. It's inevitable. And so um, those three months, there's lots of things happening already. We're doing you know, various stuff in Europe, including going to Auschwitz as part of that, going to those places where love is really needed. They're like acupuncture points in the, in the history of the soul of um, the planet. Like these are places, like there's a number of things that you can do specifically is bring love to the places that still need healing. Like not just in ourselves, but in the world. So people gathering on those, in, in those shamanic places that need healing. Um, you can also work directly with earth energy. Those who have been able to come down all the way to the physical plane, there are dragons in the earth. Like you know this, right? And when those dragons rise up, it's far better than psychology. Just like one, one decent kundalini awakening experience and all of your psychotherapy like, is blown away like, because it clears whatever needs to clear. So there are earth dragons. You get groups of shamans going and activating them, then they will vibrate up through whatever civilization is perched on top thinking it owns it with a for sale sign. Like, real power is not what people think. Real power and influence is not in the pyramid of the body-mind. And any attempt to like, try to usurp that power and influence just means that you're still in it. You're still playing that game. So you have to go above and below. You have to go to the energies buried in the earth and in your own body. And you have to go to the energies in the superconscious. 
the superconscious is trying to break down. And the most important one is the core of your own heart, which is in the body-mind. So if you can break out your own love wherever you are, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go on the road to a sacred site and do that work. You can stay in your office or wherever you are, but you make love the most important priority during those three months. Just as an experiment. Because if the world soul, like here's the hypothesis, the world soul is looking for people to shine its love through, to demonstrate love. And most people are too busy. The truth is, most people are in their CD roadhouses. They're in their preoccupation with even changing the planet. Or like, you know, you know, their idea of what we need, the environmental crisis or whatever. But they're busy. They're too busy for love. Like this is the Tandava. You know, we're too busy doing and moving our bodies to stop and listen to where the body naturally is wanting to move. We're too busy trying to get love and, you know, relationship issues and figuring out what, what kind of attachment style we are or whatever, you know, because, because we're, we, we don't know how to deal with the fact that love is wanting to bust out through the core of our being. So the invitation, you know, for this temple is to start preparing for wild love. Whether or not you believe this story and the global thing or not, it doesn't matter, right? Because what matters is that when you experience love moving through you, then everything falls away. All of the barbarian kings surrender. And you realize this is what I wanted all along and everything else didn't matter. So, <laughs> it's lunchtime.